the book of Acts chapter 2. And we're going to find our scripture text for today starting at verse 40. Starting 40. Yes, sir. Starting at verse 40. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, you will find these words. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from the house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's word. And this morning, or this afternoon, I want to just talk with you briefly from the thought, a healthy, well-balanced church. A healthy, well-balanced church. We are living in a time where there appears to be a great falling away in the church. Congregations are dwindling all over the land. Church leaders are scrambling and scratching their heads to try to get a handle on what's going on. But the Bible clearly says that in the last days there will be a falling away. There will be those who fall away to various temptations and lust. There will be those who heap to themselves those who will teach the way that tingles and itches or takes care of the itch of their itching ears. But there is still a need, saints of God, for a body of believers in communities across the land that will not bend and will not bow that will not get off of the unadulterated word of God. And I wanted to encourage the saints of God today to know that the power is not in the numbers, but it's in the God that we serve. The Bible says in one place, it says, one can send a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. When you look at that kind of math, uh, the, the, the multiplication is profound with the number of folks who will labor in God's kingdom. 
It doesn't take a whole lot of people to do what God would have us to do. Remember the story of Gideon and how Gideon had tens of thousands of soldiers and God said, those are too many. And God began to whittle them down and whittle them down until they were down to 300 men. Because God works in a remnant. God wants you to know today, do not get discouraged, amen, in your numbers. Because God can do more with a few that are dedicated than a large number that are just sitting for the ride. So the church, those who really want to see God work in their lives and in their communities and in their land, must see what the church should be like. Because one of the problems that is occurring in our churches is that we're sick. Tom Rayner wrote a book called The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And in that book, he outlines a lot of the attributes and characteristics of a church that's on its way to the grave. But here in our text today, we are allowed to see what a healthy, well-balanced church should look like. Amen. When we begin to open our text, we find that the Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit who has endowed the apostles with even greater power. They began to preach their gospel unto the masses. But not only that, we read that the masses have received the word. The first thing that has to happen with inside of any congregation of believers is you got to receive the word. If you sit there and you squint against and you reject it in your heart, amen, we are on our way to the grave. But we must receive the instruction of God, whether we like it, whether it feels good or not, and we must heed it. We must respond to it appropriately. When we look at our text, we see in many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. We see in the early church that the church had the same problem that we have today. They were amidst a perverse generation. And it's not so different for you and I in the contemporary 21st century church. We are still in the midst of a perverse generation. As we have been studying in our Bible study lesson, when we go back to chapter 12, every time I look at that, it becomes so relevant for today. That in verse 2 it says, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're living in the midst of a generation that wants to make wrong right and right wrong. Never has it been a time in the life of those who are living today has it been that almost being a Christian is a hate crime. Because we won't stand for lesbianism and homosexuality and bisexual Uh, activities and transgender that we say that the Lord says that it is abomination in his sight. Now we have become haters and criminals in the society. 
but we are those who must, must represent the kingdom of God. We don't say these things in hate. We say these things in love. Because we don't want to see anybody end up in hell. We want to see all come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We know what God does not like and we are trying to tell men, women, boys and girls of the narrow way. Because broad is the way unto destruction, but narrow is the way unto eternal life. So as we look at our text, the apostles exhort to come out from among them. See, it's so easy in this world because we spend so much of our time watching TV and being in the midst of those who are in the world to begin to be conformed to their thinking patterns. But remember that the church is 180 degrees opposite of the world. The tenets of the world are not the tenets of the kingdom of God. Come out from among them, be ye separate, and a peculiar people, saith the Lord. When we look at our text, we see that then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. When the setting is right and the soil is prepared properly, a bumper crop can emerge. We see in our text that this was a time the Holy Spirit has come on the scene and folks are being saved and folks are on one accord. Wow. Amen. There is a sweet spirit in the atmosphere of the early church by which folks are coming and pressing to come in. Amen. Today, the churches that will name the name Jesus Christ and who will walk according to his mandates, we've got to create an environment of sweet spirit. Amen. A sweet spirit by which others can come and press to get in. But if folks are coming to a place of division and, and unforgiveness and and separation, they can feel it and they don't want any part of it because that's the same thing that they can get in the world. But as we look at our text, we see, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. When we want to see what a healthy, well-balanced church looks like, we look no further than the early church in the book of Acts. First of all, it says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What that means is they were diligent in their study of the word of God. They didn't take the word of God lackadaisically. They didn't take the word of God uh, casually, but they continued diligently in their study. They didn't wait till Sunday morning or Wednesday night to get a look at the word, but daily they studied and meditated on the word because they wanted to be ready at a moment's notice to give a testimony for what they had believed. They wanted to be able to clearly articulate to those who did not know Jesus Christ who Jesus is, what he requires, and what it takes to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
See, at this time, these believers weren't even being called Christians yet. Because Christians, the name Christians did not come until Antioch. But during these days, they were called those of the way. Those of the way of Jesus Christ. They lived a life that was peculiar to everybody else. And they understood what Jesus had called them to be. They were observing those, all those things which were taught to them and they were testifying of it to the world. But I contend today that we have become apathetic to the word. We have become lazy in our diligence and our study of God's word. Therefore, when we are presented with the opportunity to witness and give a defense for the hope that's within us, we are found lacking. We turn and we look for a teacher here or a teacher there to do what we should be doing ourselves. God says in his word that we are all priests unto him. Amen. There is a a position for a vocational teacher and preacher, but every saint of God should be a witness and a teacher to the world. You should know the basic fundamental tenets of what you believe that you can adequately defend your faith in a world that's gone wrong. But I also say today that it's going to take more than Sunday and Wednesday. It's going to take some study and meditation all week long to get it down on the inside. Amen. So that when at need, it can come out to the outside. And so when we look at our text, we see that they had fellowship. This word fellowship can also be translated koinonia. And it's not just sitting down with one another physically shooting the breeze. Amen. That's not the kind of fellowship that's being talked about here. The kind of fellowship here is called koinonia. It's when we connect in the spirit. It's when we transcend time and space and we connect in a place that only God can prepare for us. It's when we reach a place of spiritual connection that we transcend time and space and there is a fellowship, there is a closeness that cannot be had any other way. That is this fellowship of a healthy, well-balanced church. So as we look at our text, we see that not only did they have fellowship, but they broke bread together. They, they, they broke bread together, and this is in two senses. One, they ate meals together, amen? But in another sense, they also shared in communion. They also celebrated the death of Jesus Christ because they understood that the essential thing that every one of them needed was a substitute to pay the price for their sins. Nobody was an adequate uh, offering onto the mantle of the altar for their sin because everybody had sin. We needed one who would be a sacrifice who had not spot nor blemish. And the only one that ever walked this earth that could fit that bill is Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might have the right to be called the righteousness of God in him. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. And so when we look at our text, we see they also continued in prayers. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. Sometimes churches will tend to relegate prayer to just one event, maybe for 30 minutes on Wednesday night. But this text allows us to see if we're going to be a healthy, well-balanced church, prayer has to be a lifestyle. It has to be a lifestyle of the individual and corporately. The effectual fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much. So if we're going to see much happen in our communities, in our nation, in our world, we must be people of prayer. Not people of politics, not people of petition, not people of government officials, but of prayer. Because the only one that can make a difference and can change things in this land is our God. Amen. 